0: So as long as we can align some more entry-level type CSM jobs that help train up the more advanced CSMs in the future, and those jobs are available, there will start to be more of a presence of education because universities are needing to be much more responsive to the job demands of their communities of business around them.
1: Gainsight presents the Game Changer podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello and welcome to the Game Changer podcast brought to you by Gainsight. That clip was from today's guest, Brian Hochstein, Assistant Professor of Marketing at the University of Alabama. Today we're talking all about why more and more academics are studying this new field of customer success with great interest. Brian shares what it was like to teach the first Customer Success Master's Studies class. And now your host, Adam Joseph.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the GameSight Game Changer podcast series. I'm Adam Joseph, the Director of Customer Success at GameSight. Now, the exponential rise of customer success has taken on many forms over the last few years. It's been amazing to see the progress of businesses from all over the world that have implemented phenomenal customer success strategies, but also thought of it not just the name as a new function, but as an ethos that permeates across their entire enterprise. And as customer success has grown up and evolved, it's also spawned a lot of related activities such as training and certification, such as our very own Gamesite Pulse Plus program. But also, and very excitingly, academic professionals studying customer success and producing studies that talk about its impact and its benefits. And to help discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome... Brian Hofstein, who is the Assistant Professor of Marketing at the University of Alabama. In his time, Brian has conducted hundreds of interviews with CSMs, executives, and customers of firms engaging in a customer success philosophy. He's also taught the first ever course in customer success management, and his work has been published in several leading journals. Brian, a very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you, Adam. It's great to be here.
2: And I was talking to Brian just before we hit the record button today, and I learned this really fascinating fact about Brian that I never knew before, and I've known Brian for a little while, that you actually had a previous life as a radio host.
0: Well, host is a a very favorable term, but uh, (laughs) when I was... A long time ago, back in the pre-2000 days, about late 1980s, actually, I was a radio announcer, I guess you'd call it, on a, a local radio station where I lived in Wisconsin in the United States. I live in the United States. We did a lot of things like talking about the futures of farm crops and things like that because it was a very rural type area, but also played music and monitored baseball game broadcasts and things. So I just had an interest from early on in talking and communicating with people. And, and my first attempt at that was through a, a radio type program. As I was mentioning before, just the interesting twist in my life was I ended up literally probably 15 years later in working in television, selling advertising, and it brought me back to that interest of communications and how people communicate things. And I mentioned that to kind of tie into customer success just a little bit, because in my Mm. job where I sold television advertising... I was a pure salesperson. I full cycle sales. I worked with customers from beginning to end and prospecting to them not being our customers anymore in some cases. But my approach to that really was what I now would realize is a customer success approach. I had also worked in a more of a customer service role prior to that in between. And I brought those skills of customer service to the sales world and put them together. And almost everything I hear or learn in people talking about in customer success, I made that a focus of my job without knowing that this thing customer success was later going to become a thing. Of course, I was a salesperson. So I had commissions and quotas and high pressure and all of that stuff too. But I felt like I did it differently than a lot of people, not all of them, but then a lot of of my counterparts and really focused on serving the client and being proactive and, and doing a lot of things that customer success managers do. So I wouldn't say I was a customer success manager before there were customer success managers, but I used a lot of the same ideas to be successful in sales. So it it fits well with what I'm studying now.
2: Yeah. So as I look back and think about even stories from my youth, when, for example, my parents would always go and buy the car from the same dealership and the same salesperson. I mean, it was almost like a family friend, but I didn't think of it then, of course, but applying it with the lens of the career that I've had since. There were so many aspects of customer success management that, that you know, in the UK, secondhand car dealership salesmen get a, a pretty rough ride in terms of their reputation. But this person knew everything about my parents, knew about their likes, their dislikes, their, the kind of cars they might want and built that relationship over many years. And even though they weren't necessarily the cheapest cars or the best cars, my parents would keep religion. They wouldn't even think about going anywhere else to buy a car. And if I think about the first time I experienced customer success management as a consumer, I always think about that person. So it really resonates. Yeah. And, as I said, one of the ways I can see that customer success management as a philosophy has really grown up is that academia taking an interest. For years, I've seen courses on salesmanship, on marketing, and many others being offered. And so it's great to see customer success also making a foray into academia and for students being able to learn about it and their entry path into their career. But from an academic perspective, what motivated your studies in CS? How did you get started from an academic perspective with it?
0: Yeah, so as I I just was telling you I had a career before being a professor. Hmm. So I'm I'm actually being a professor is my third real career in life. So midlife crisis, I guess, maybe. <laughs> I'd finished up a master's degree while working in sales and I decided I'd go back to school to get a PhD. So I went to Florida State University here in in the United States and Studied marketing and earned a PhD in marketing, and uh, started here at the University of Alabama. So, coming here, though, my my goal was to study and do research on sales. That's that's what I'd done for a living most of my life, and that's what I was interested in. But short while into my career here, just within the first eight or nine months, the idea of customer success was presented to me by one of my colleagues that I still work with today, and this was a little over three years ago. And I didn't know what it was. I thought I knew what it was because I knew what the words customer and success meant, but I didn't. Hmm know what they meant together and what do you guys do? So I started looking into it and I still didn't really understand it, but I ended up at a conference in Boston, a small conference in Boston. I met some people and we talked about this and really changed the course of things. So I didn't intend to study customer success, but when I learned the basics of what it was, I thought it was something very different and unique. And that's always been my goal in getting more education and and following the path I am is to be not just studying the same old stuff that everybody else is. I I wanted to find some new things. There's so many new things going on in the world right now. That hasn't always been true, but right now it's just amazing how many things are changing. Mm. So this was was a topic that was very interesting. And then it fit well with what I'd done in my career. It was an answer to a lot of the questions I had about sales. So that motivated me to start looking into it. And it's been really just three years, as you said, I think it's about 350 plus, I don't know how many exactly interviews, but people all over the globe, really actually everywhere that you can think of, and learning and just trying to learn more and more and drink up this customer success stuff and and figure out what's going on and what you do.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to hear your experience and kind of what brought you to where you are today. And certainly you will have a unique insight, you and your team, from speaking to 350 or so customer success professionals at all levels, hearing about how it's been applied. Because in my experience, customer success, maybe to a lesser degree than it was a couple of years ago, but when in my consulting days, whenever I would work with a new organization and ask them their approach to customer success, there would be such a radical range from some organizations really just treating it as an advanced form of support, other organizations treat it more like account management, and a few managing it as what you and I might define as customer success management. But I'm really interested from all of the interviews that you've done, are are there any kind of key trends or any kind of statistical analysis that you've done or highlights and and how that's evolved over the two or three years that you've been doing this? I'd be fascinated to hear any insights that you've got.
0: Lots of different things, but really the focus has been, I'll give you a quick little story. So the focus Mm. and the idea of what we do when we find something new I've heard this from another academic that I think says it well. It's kind of like when you find—if you were to find a new animal and you're going to place it into the zoo, which I don't know if we do anymore, but say you (laughs) did—you'd need to know what type of animal it is and where it was from, and and where it fit, and what other kind of animals would be good around, and some things about it that are different than the other animals, and and you'd, you'd really need to find out everything about it. So that's really been like three years now of investigation to do that. So I don't know if it's the most shockingly exciting things, but we as academics try and kind of follow behind what's happening in industry a little bit, maybe keeping up, but trying to really just figure out the bigger picture so we can tell, teach students, educate students on not exactly how to do every last little thing that you're doing every day, but how to understand the overall concept, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in that approach, and that's kind of been the approach to this point, One thing we've come up with is just this permeating mindset that customer success managers has, but it also fits with just customer success idea of mindset. And we hope it's down to the right four elements. But the first one is that the customer success manager is counselor-focused. They're somewhat of a teacher or or could be like a physician or something like that. So they're not really a salesperson. They're not really a service person. But they have this mindset of trying to be a counselor or a coach, maybe would be another word way to say that. There's a lot of words that mean the same type of thing, but we settled on counselor. So, so that's one that we feel successful customer success managers need to have that mindset of looking out for their customers and trying to not just look out for them, but also help them to learn and grow and and guide them in the right ways. And then they're proactive looking. You can't ask any customer success person that understands it and they'll tell you proactive, but that we found that to be very true statistically in some studies, also and just in comments across 350 plus interviews, proactivity is key to this actually working right. And not everybody does that right. You're right. There is variance in how different companies do this thing, but Even the ones that don't do it realize it's something they should be doing, but maybe there's some structural issues or product issues or something that keeps them from that. But they desire to be proactive looking, right? Long term oriented. I don't think that's a shocker to anybody, but these aren't salespeople that are just looking for the quick hit. They're not even looking for the medium. Your customer success manager and customer success firms are really interested in long term plays, keeping customers around, thinking ahead of the game, things like that. And then last one. I hope this sounds right, but common good seeking. We tried to encapsulate a lot of things into that because it needs to be a balance. So customer success managers are looking out for their customers. They should become an advocate for their customer. They should be working on behalf of the customer, but they also need to be working on behalf of their firm too. We toyed with the idea of being like profit aware or something, but we came up with common good seeking, meaning. It has to be good for everybody. So a customer success manager needs to be finding ways to make it work, not just for the customer, not just for their firm, but for everybody that's involved. So some kind of mutual value coming from it. That's kind of the idea of the mindset. I'm curious what you think of that. Maybe then I'll give you a couple more.
2: Yeah. Well, I can definitely relate to those four key themes that you spoke to. As I said, in my experience, there have been some businesses I think have applied this sometimes better and more consistently than others. And what strikes me, I mean, we're recording this in the time of COVID, where I've seen some of the themes that you've spoken about have really been the glue that's holding the business together now as new business is is kind of somewhat more difficult to convert reliance on your customers and really the delivering on the ethos of customer success has become more, more important however with that said i've also seen the opposite of where when times are tight it could be the CS team has seen most at threat from being furloughed or or let go, which kind of flies in the face of everything we're talking about. So I think it's really true. I guess my thought is now, is these themes now turning into visions in which companies are holding their hat on for the long-term success and growth of their customers? Or was customer success for them something of an experiment? They tried it, but when times are tough, they're going to revert back to the tried and tested methods of just selling and selling and selling again. Hmm.
0: You know, it's interesting, and not on my script, but hmm. I've been working on a project during the midst of this COVID thing, and I, I did interviews last last several weeks um, with people all over the world, and some of them are customer success managers, some sales, and some of the questions we ask get at that idea you just said there, the new versus uh, existing business. And the the firms that are doing customer success well, and I've talked to people in a couple from Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, people in India, people in Paris, uh, United States, and New Jersey, interesting people in New York City that work in the Empire State Building originally, or there's a big Mm. problem here, San Diego, You know, so kind of spanning the globe in both sales and customer success. And those that have a clear focus on customer success are doing pretty well. Everybody I talked to, a variety of industries, at least hanging in there because they, they can develop further these existing relationships that are already strong and they're strengthening them. And they, I think almost every single one of them admitted that their new business is almost non-existent. They, mm. They're not making progress onboarding new clients right now. No, none of that. But then I talked to the salespeople and, They also are having problems with the new business and trying to find more and having to find new approaches and being mildly successful in many cases. But it's a much rougher road for those that are purely dependent on a sales force without some kind of customer success, at least from what I've seen in a small, small sample of, I don't know, 30, 40 different people I've talked to. But because they don't have that deeply connected existing base of customers, the ones that are just purely doing sales stuff. And they're doing all some of them are doing okay, but it's it's a much more difficult path. So they they don't they're making it up every day. Whereas the customer success Teams maybe making some stuff up every day too, but they they at least have a pretty good base mm. of people to work with that are interested in wanting to grow. So that's an interesting comment.
2: Mm. I think the other point I'll make as well is and again, you know, looking at the four themes. As I said, I completely agree with them. But if I was a hard-nosed CFO or CEO looking at this, I'd say, well, that's all well and good, Brian, but how does this impact the bottom line? So how does this improve my Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sorry to cut you off there. No, but I not mean at all. we're developing what we call a model. So our first step is this customer success thing, what is it? We save that as a, call that a mindset, these four things that would describe it. And then we see that as leading to customer health, those things impacting customer health, and then customer health impacting performance. And performance being things you think of, uh, of course, retention, growth, advocacy of the customer on your behalf, things like that, and some other ones that are found in different industries. The next step is customer health. So the reason the customer success people do this is to promote customer health. And I did want to mention that because Like them or not, it doesn't matter to me, but we have a definition from the World Health Organization. So they're very, very big in the news lately, uh, at least in this country. They have a definition that goes back to 1948 of human health that I think is interesting. And they say, health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And that's their definition used to this day from 1948. So what, like 70 or two years old, right? But it's saying, that little definition is saying, health is more than just not being sick. So health is something more than that. It's being well and not being sick. Okay, so that's kind of how I'd, I'd say that. So then we define, and I don't know if this is a final definition yet, but the way we're looking at customer health is something very close to that, saying customer health is a state of complete engagement, experience, and value outcome, well-being, and not merely the absence of business problems, which could be like... Uh, Interfirm relational things, value proposition problems, product related problems. So applying that world health definitions to a business setting, we're trying to say, if a customer is perfectly engaged with your company and has a perfect experience, getting perfect value outcomes, and they have no problems, they'd be perfectly healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more than just not having problems, and it's more than being just engaged or any of those things. It's a bunch of things together that make up this overall well-being of your client, which is customer health. So we've done a lot of deep digging into that area. And we think that's really an interesting area because you can measure it. And we're finding we've put together a nice, like a two by two of leading and lagging indicators that are gathered either through human perceptions and or through automated systems and AI and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's different for every company. So we can't exactly tell you what those are, but we think they all should be, you definitely should have a, a good element in each of those four quadrants of things that relate to engagement of the customer experience that the customer is having and value outcomes that they're getting, that you're measuring them in some way and looking at them from different angles and and calculating their customer health. And it's a much deeper issue than that, but that's, like I said, kind of academics have to say, how do you teach this to a student? You're not going to teach them exactly how gainsight calculates customer health for their customers right you're Mm going to teach them what's the kind of overall framework that you should be following so that's where we're at with that right now but it's it's what we're seeing and we next want to test now what we're seeing is that tie from those things and keeping good track of that and CSMs doing the things they need to with their mindset to keep that steady and growing and in the right direction, the customer health. If you have that going, there's a clear connection to the business outcomes that you need as a selling firm, right? the performance, the dollars and cents, and you can make that connection. That's our next step. And we're working on right now is some financial event studies and other field experiments to make the empirical connection of that, the you know the dollars and cents connection with numbers. I don't have that just yet. I've heard it from hundreds and hundreds of people that that's yeah. there. Anyways, I, again, I'm curious your take on that because you work with this stuff every day, but we see customer health as kind of the middleman of uh, what CSMs do and what firms get out of it.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, as, as you were talking, I was kind of nodding away because it really resonates with what we in the customer success world have been preaching for a long time about the impact that having a really strong customer success methodology can have. I've always thought customer success has really stood on the it's kind of a, a three-legged stool. If you want to make to get it done right, first one is having the workflows and processes evolved all around the way that you're going to deal with your customers and work with your customers to help them get to those business outcomes. The second is what the structure of your CSM team is going to look like. It's all well and good having great workflows and processes, but if you've got one CSM covering 5,000 accounts, it's quickly going to fall apart. And the third one is how you're going to do this at scale using technology, which is where a system like Gainsight would be so effective. And of course, you know this whole leg is built on upon the foundation of the business having customer success very much at its heart. This ethos that permeates across all departments rather mm-hmm. than just thinking of customer success as a, a one-off team and where I I have seen customer success fail, isn't sometimes because the lack of having great people there or workflows or processes. It's really where it's tried to swim against the corporate tide where you've got a product that's incredibly buggy. You've got maybe a pre-sales function that is maybe misaligning expectations. And on occasions, it is because customer success, all those things aren't true, and it's customer success not delivering. But in my experience, these are some of the themes that I'm seeing that are really the big differences between customer success, not only starting but thriving, and those that maybe organizations that start off with a CS function and then slowly it slips away and they kind of go back to more historic ways of working. Another question I had for you, Brian, yeah. is I'm really fascinated by some of the research that you've done. You mentioned earlier the global scale of some of the participants and some of the research studies that you've done. And When I talk to individuals in CS, I do sometimes see a geographical difference when I, I talk to my colleagues here in the UK versus continental Europe versus the US versus Asia, and also in terms of the types of company they're working at. So Customer success in a startup might be very different to customer success in an enterprise business. I'm just interested, in terms of what you're hearing, are things, at least at the thematic stage, are they relatively the same, irrespective of those regional and customer maturity indices, or, or are there some variances based on those, or maybe something else?
0: Wow, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> thought about this question a little bit, and I think you, you put in most of my qualifiers there. Yes, there's differences in maturity. Yes, there's differences in cultural aspects and things. But what I found interesting, and I I hope this is consistent across what, what you've experienced too, what I found interesting about customer success is that I think it's relatively consistent with the people that I talk to at its core elements that I've been asking questions about. Maybe not at all of the nuances that happen in the field, but... With its understanding of core elements, again, some don't get it. Some are taking sales teams and calling customers. But if you take those out of the mixture, the ones that kind of get it, uh, which is the vast majority, it's probably the 80%, I think, when I talk to them, I find it to be relatively the same answers to the questions, regardless of where the person is sitting and where they're working. But I'm asking pretty broad, like definitional questions. And, you know, so, so that may be account for some difference. But what I think is interesting about that, and this is my premise, and I'm not, I hope it makes sense, is that companies like Gainsight and others, Salesforce, I guess, was involved in this early, you know, starting customer success. And, and the thought leaders of this space, let's just put it that way, the thought leaders of the customer success space, Started developing this idea not all that long ago, within the last decade, a little over a decade, and they've been rolling it out, and it's been growing through evangelism and conferences. And I've been at multiple pulses in in your side of the pond and over here, mm. um, and other other types of conferences and thought leader things. And to the large extent, it kind of all started at about a common kind of root idea. I think, from what I can gather. So most people that understand it and want to take the time to understand it kind of understand the same common themes of it. And they've read the book by you know, Nick Mehta and, and Dan Steinman. They've read a bunch of different blogs that tend to lead back to those same kind of ideas. <laughs> um, and they kind of answer that same, I mean, I can get pretty consistent answers when I ask questions related to anything that would be in, in that realm. Now, if you get differently into talking about how do you calculate customer health or how do you, yes, it's different. And people do things differently based on the cultures where they're working, even for the same company. But that's pretty much just good marketing. So I don't want to be shocking or not. I'm just saying I, I honestly haven't found that many regional differences between, between the, because it kind of rolled out in a short period of time and it's rolled out from one spot and rolled across the world. So here's my here's why I think it's interesting. In the past, the way things used to happen, they just naturally generated where they were, right? There wasn't this huge connection 50 years ago or 100 years ago of our world. So marketing ideas that started in, in Germany or in Australia or somewhere just were there, right? And people developed them and thought through them. And at the same time, other people in the world were coming up with similar ideas. They didn't know about the, all of our, each, each other, but they were developing things that were kind of alike. And then over time, they linked up maybe over decades, right? They kind of linked up and people started to learn together. So they're, they're somewhat different based on where you're, you're looking at them. Hmm. In this case, this started as I can tell, I mean, kind of started as in a relatively quick time period and gener- was disseminated very fast across the globe I'm using, you know, of course, digital means and everything and conferences and books and things. But I don't see where Australia had its own customer success ideas that it was developing for 30 years and Europe had the same things but different and the Mm -hmm. U.S. was and then eventually they all kind of happened to meet you know it's not that right Um, so it's kind of the other way it's like we came up with a good idea and then as it grew it kind of was refined and refined worldwide so that's kind of my thought on it and I'm Mm -hmm. not saying I'm an expert on that particular Mm -hmm. topic but but it's intriguing to me that marketing ideas that used to grow organically in different spots and then eventually come together are now either being manufactured or coming from organic means like this one did, but then can be disseminated and adopted across the globe quickly. I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing that's different to me, but as a marketing professor.
2: Well, I mean, from my, my viewpoint, is that, and again when I when I talk to senior leaders across different types of organizations, from startup to enterprise, global or regional, I think you're right. I think you look back at the, the fabulous book that was authored that you referenced between Nick Meta, Dan Steinman, Lincoln Murphy, that blue book of customer success that I see on virtually you know everyone's book stand that what the, that's got an interest in this field. So I think from a, a notional perspective, where everyone gets it, I think it's not so much that I see that people have got a differing view of what customer success is. It's more the implementation of it can, right. can differ. It's a bit like the, when you're learning to drive, right? There's, at least in the UK, we've got a book that tells you the mechanics of, of how to drive and the laws of the road, but everyone's driving style is, is something going to be different. And so I, I kind of see that the same as the, with customer success. It's not so much the understanding of what it is, it's implementation of it, that I think can differ a little bit from companies of different maturity or global aspect to it. But that's a really yeah. fascinating topic. Yeah,
0: so from my perspective mm. as a marketing professional, professor. Of course, I'm asking only the bigger questions. So I'm I'm Mm. not asking about all the implementation. So I don't see that. And I fairly admit that. I kind of see it, but I I don't see it completely. I haven't studied that. But from a marketing perspective, that seems normal to us now. That's how that should happen. But that isn't how everything used to grow in a business thought, right? (laughs) So uh, it's kind of, it's just to me, that's sort of an interesting tidbit of (laughs) studying this stuff. As a student of history, I also love history, historical stuff. So I, I look at how all these things evolved over time and used to happen and now they're happening differently. And it's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. Hey, and Brian, finally, I'm just obviously with coming back to academia, I would love so my kids who are teenagers now when they think about going to university somewhere in the UK, although my daughter told me yesterday she wants to go and study at UCLA and said it'll only cost me 65,000 pounds to get her there, from which point I needed a stiff drink. But, you know, do we see a a future where courses across, especially the US, UK, further afield, there will be academic courses in customer success for students to take into as they think about a career in the field?
0: My answer is yes. It's a slow process in academics, but the answer is yes, as long as there continues to be a great demand of jobs. And the one thing I've run into with that is a lot of the jobs that are available the customer success managers tend to need a little bit more experience uh, and some life experience as well to, to be good at what they do. So that is challenging for educating and getting people jobs in the field just fresh out of college. So I've been teaching in the master's program here at Alabama, and, and those students are finding some traction and getting jobs. So as long as we can align some more entry-level type CSM jobs that are that help train up, the more advanced CSMs in the future, and those jobs are available, there will start to be more of a presence of education because universities are needing to be much more responsive to the job demands of their communities of business around them. The way that I'm really approaching it now, though, is I've taught the last two years now a standalone class on customer success management. I'm going to adapt that a little bit now because I've I've agreed to teach a full curriculum of uh, sales to our master's program here. And I see customer success, if it's going to become a thing for everybody to know about, it needs to be somewhere ingrained in that sales process education that some students go through. It's not sales. I'm not saying it's sales, but it's definitely related to the interactions of sales. And there's a lot of established sales programs. So my next goal on this, as opposed to just a standalone class, is to ingrain customer success as just another element of a way a company's moves product, right? Mm-hmm. And keeps keeps customers retained. And that customer success managers are one role that does that. And the philosophy of customer success should permeate and be the overarching thought of all of that. Okay. So mm-hmm. I was my big my big picture right now. So <laughs> I'm gonna have three classes, one in professional selling like a first class. And then I'm gonna have one about customer management. And then I'm gonna have one about management of sales forces and customer success managers. So I'm going to try and blend those together in a way that other sales programs could adopt that and they could build that into the systems they have now and the classes they have now so that we go from almost nobody coming out of universities knowing about customer success to, at least in the United States, there's hmm, about 150 schools that have a well-established sales program. If we can start ingraining the ideas of customer success into all of those sales programs, kind of quickly, then you rapidly see this whole concept really moving forward. So people like Gainsight and, and all the people I talk to will be helping me and crafting that to make it fit right because I'm not exactly sure how it fits exactly right into a sales curriculum. But unfortunately, we have to kind of build it into a system that already exists. Otherwise, in academia, it's about a 20-year project to get mm. new classes. And I mean, it's maybe not I 20, can not imagine. It's a slow <laughs> process. So, so I'm hoping to do it that way. And then the other thing that's going on and I, not to belabor, but is I've been able to work this into a lot of textbooks. I'm an author of a couple of textbooks and also I work with authors of other textbooks and I've been asked to write cases about customer success. I've been asked to write, um, you know, parts of chapters about customer success. So, Somewhat rapidly, the concept is now being included in, in many textbooks, many being not a large number, but some of the larger like principles of marketing textbooks now have a section that talks about customer success for a page. So things like that will help it to become more mainstream. And mm. then you just tie that to their, the availability of jobs. So, I mean, that's really what you need is we need a little bit of a foothold in the academic world. And then if there's students going out looking for jobs and they're using whatever vehicle online to find them and they're finding these customer success manager jobs. They're going to start asking questions. We get that here already. We have people coming to our university saying, well, I'm interested in this customer success thing. What classes would I take? And then they refer everybody to me. So it has (laughs) to be happening at other schools too. Right. So, um, uh, and they probably don't have an answer to it right now. So, so I, I see it as being close, but academics is slow and I'm, I'm doing my best to disseminate the knowledge in the United States. And I'd like to do it abroad too. I mean, right now it's, I'm here, so it's easier to do here, but yeah. um, I'm actually supposed to be right at this moment attending a virtual conference that's being hosted at Aston University in Birmingham, England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm going to go there as soon as I get off this talking with you. And had we actually had the conference, there would have been a section on customer success. And the next time they do the conference, there will be. So we're finding ways to get it out to academics really globally.
2: I can't wait to see how this evolves and look forward to our future discussions over the next few months and years as you know, this continues to pick up pace and become much more of the mainstream, not only in the professional world, but in the academic one as well. Brian, thank you so much. I mean, you, you're in a, a unique standpoint in the world of customer success and what you're doing to help progress and get that understanding at all levels about what it is. So I thank you so much for spending time with us today. I found it invaluable and I'm sure everyone else listening would have done as well. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Adam. And I I just, I want to thank the customer success community because I wouldn't know anything about this if people hadn't been so true to what they actually do and been so helpful in my success and learning about this stuff and helping me to grow my knowledge. So without hundreds of people that were willing to give their time to talk to me, this would be really nothing. So I appreciate what you guys do too. Thank you.
2: All right. Have a good one. Thank you, Brian.
0: Yep. Thanks. Bye.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to studiopodsf.com.